You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Hello and welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein. The story is ours now. We can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello. Today I'll be reading When You Say Nothing at All by Trenchcoat Baby. Chapters 3 and 4. The reading for this fic is explicit. The pertinent tags for this fic include Alpha Castiel Omega Dean Winchester Mutual Pining Crush at First Sight Sexual Tension Eye Sex Character Study Relationship Study Alternate Universe College Slash University Professor Castiel Insecure Dean Winchester, Falling in Love, True Mates, Fluff and Smut, Scenting, Stanford Student Sam Winchester, Past Castiel Meg Masters, Everyone Ships Castiel and Dean, Fake Science, Miscommunication, Top Castiel Bottom Dean Winchester, Explicit Sexual Content, Happy Ending. Chapter 3, July The sand burned warm between Dean's toes, and he squirmed in his chair, searching for his seldom-used flip-flops. Further down the shore, looking strangely at home between two crashing waves, his brother was beckoning him. "'Get your lazy ass down here!' Sam called, his voice ringing loud and playful. Dean just tossed him a maybe-later wave of the hand and popped open the cooler, pulling the coldest Marjikugel from its sheath of melting ice. The sun was high and unyielding above, the sky void of any potential cloud cover. It was a warm day for their little slice of coastal California, close to 80 degrees, and Dean could feel his neck growing red with heat, the span of his shoulders glowing with tones of muted pink. Despite working outside all day, his back and shoulders were always covered by his uniform. But after a couple of hours at Coyote Point Park, Dean would undoubtedly be left with a sunburn. An unbidden image darted across his mind then. Castiel, or Cass as Dean has started calling him, though only to himself, being here. Sitting beside him in Sam's unoccupied chair. He would be wearing patterned blue swimming shorts, sporting dark and mirrored aviator sunglasses, 
and look hot as hell with little to no effort. Maybe he would scold Dean for not wearing sunscreen. It honestly seemed like the kind of thing Cass would nag him about. And even reach into his own bag for a hefty bottle of SPF 50. After some disgruntled teasing, he would smear the cold white cream across Dean's neck and shoulders. Dean would get a sudden chill even on this sunny day, and it wouldn't just be because of the sunscreen. Eventually, Cass's methodical and medicinal touch would grow deeper, more tender and intentional. He'd massage the tight muscle of Dean's shoulders until he felt pliable and relaxed under Castiel's hands, eyes closing, head tilting to the side. He'd hum in quiet bliss while Cass's lips found the sweet spot behind Dean's ear, the place that always drove him wild. And then... Dean! Sam was no longer in the ocean but standing in front of him, towel-drying his mane of hair. His expression was incredulous with a hint of impatience, and Dean blinked rapidly, trying to rejoin a conversation he hadn't been aware he was involved in. Ugh, hey, Sammy. He took a long sip of his abandoned beer and tinted his vision with a raised hand. Enjoying your time swimming with the sharks? Very few underwater mammals will get this close to the shore, actually. Sam said matter-of-factly, and Dean rolled his eyes. Obviously, his brother wouldn't appreciate a good joke if it swam right up and took a bite from his goofy, gigantic shoulders. Anyway, yeah, the water's good, just cold. Ready to head back when you are. Thank God. Dean was standing up in an instant, patting the creases of his red swimming shorts for remnants of sand. It's not that Dean didn't love a good day off, but he'd rather do it on a lake with a fishing pole in his hand. Beach days were the kind of thing Sammy liked, so Dean didn't mind going along with it. It was a holiday weekend, though, so the water was full of sailors and windsurfers, and it had been near impossible to find a damn parking spot. Tourists. Dean began packing up in record time. Where's the fire? Sam quipped, though he bent over to help Dean continue packing. They'd only been here for a few hours, but the amount of stuff necessary to make the beach comfortable would barely fit in the Impala's trunk and that was saying something. Dean folded the two beach chairs and then picked up his towel, drying off his torso. He eyed the crowded beach, searching for a face he had grown so accustomed to seeking, but had never spotted in public. He felt a little stalkerish lately, but he had spent more time wandering around town, stopping by places he could imagine Cass hanging around during his non-case study hours. You know, libraries, coffee shops, wherever adorable nerd hotties spend their personal time. So far, his search had produced nada. You're doing it again, Sam warned. Huh? Distracted, his eyes fell over a huddle of mid-twenty-something dudes, loud and belligerent. His mouth was hanging open when he turned around, facing his brother fully. You know what I mean, Sam secured the lid on the cooler, looking amused. You're looking for that case study guy, right? Shut up. Dean scratched nervously at the back of his neck, then winced. Fuck, the sunburn was already setting in. He needed to get inside. They were going to a 4th of July cookout tonight at Ellen's. Ellen, who had become some sort of surrogate mother to them over the past year. Dean wondered if he could talk his way off grill duty, pending the severity of a sunburn, of course, and be in charge of the fireworks instead. He and Sammy had a long-time love for fireworks. Ten years ago, they had almost burnt down an entire field. It was one of Dean's favorite memories. 
Your crush. It's cute, really. Sam's voice was teasing, as it had been for weeks, the minute Dean had come clean about his new obsession. No, not obsession. Creepy stalker people were obsessive. Dean was just, well, infatuated. In a totally and completely healthy way. It was a passing crush, which is exactly what he had told Charlie last month in her office, when she had walked in on them about to, uh... He wouldn't let himself think of the word kiss, but there it was. Dean had driven himself crazy lately, wondering if the almost kiss with Cass had been real or imagined. Charlie hadn't called it a kiss, which was encouraging, or discouraging, depending on your perspective. But she had scolded them for interacting before the official half-hour window of the study began. On top of all of that, she had been asking more pointed questions lately. It made Dean believe she knew there was a strong and unexplainable pull happening between the Alpha and Omega. But how could he prove that? Since being reprimanded by Charlie, Dean had been on his best behavior, and their sessions had evolved as a result. Gone were the days of quiet, aimless staring. Now Dean was pretty sure he could have a full-on conversation with Castiel simply from eye contact alone. He couldn't really explain the intimacy, the easy way they expressed themselves to each other, and was having difficulty putting it into words for Charlie, on paper and in person. And he certainly struggled to understand their more charged moments, the purse of wetted lips, the suggestion of a raised eyebrow. Sometimes he forgot that Charlie was watching them on camera, and whenever he remembered their unconcealed flirting was being watched by Big Brother, he would blush and look away, embarrassed. More and more each session, Dean wanted to lunge across the table and jump Cass's bones. But he wasn't enough of a voyeur to want Charlie to watch that. Plus, he was pretty sure the red-headed beta had mentioned having a girlfriend. If she wanted to know more about Alpha and Omega sex habits, she would have picked a different thesis project altogether. It's just... Sam was speaking again, rousing Dean again from his thoughts. Wow, he was going to be shit for company today. He really needed to get it together. Should you even be looking for this guy? Wouldn't meeting up outside of the study ruin things for Dr. Bradbury? Yeah, yeah, Dean grumbled. The crowded beach, his pending sunburn, and this depressing conversation was making him inherently grouchy. I'm not actually going to see him. There's, what, 40,000 people around these parts? We're not going to run into each other reaching for the same beach umbrella. Sam looked unconvinced, but stayed quiet, packing up the remainder of their gear and beginning the trek towards the Impala. Dean filled his arms as well, but before he could turn around and follow his brother, he overheard the group of loudmouths behind him shouting rude obscenities about someone's sweet Omega ass. Dean felt his teeth begin to grind, but kept walking, ignoring them as best he could. Being a male Omega often translated into society assuming he was weak and feeble. Society was dead fucking wrong. But it was a holiday, and so far a good day with Sam. Rather than ruining all that and jumping those idiots, like every instinct in his body begged him to do, he finished loading the car instead. A few moments later, when Dean was backing Baby out of her tight parking spot, Sam's face turned bright with an idea. He clearly hadn't overheard the cat calling, which was honestly just as fucking well. Sammy tended to worry, and Dean preferred to save them both the headache. 
Hey, what if... Sam paused, seeming to consider the best way to word his thoughts. Unfortunately, his hesitation only set Dean on edge. Sam was only cautious when he was suggesting something Dean would normally want to avoid. To help you to get over this mystery, dude, what if I set you up with someone? Dean turned onto the main highway and groaned. What is it about people trying to set me up lately? Sam squinted his eyes in curiosity. Wait, who else? Gabe, that dude from the bakery. He tried setting me up with some frat guy. Dean chuckled, thinking about how different that guy must be from Cass. Castiel seemed like the last kind of person who would participate in Greek life. Though Dean had been known to attend a sorority party or two. A guy had needs and all that jazz. Huh, Sam said, shaking his head. That's right. Well, funny story, they're actually the same person. Professor Novak is Gabe's brother, which I found out from our last conference and forgot to mention. He's really nice and smart and cool. Novak? Dean repeated, sparing a quick and skeptical glance at Sam. As in Novak Hall College of Business at Stanford? Yeah, Sam said slowly, thoughtfully. Huh, I bet him and Gabe must be those Novaks. I never thought about it before. Dean huffed, shaking his head. It was just like Sammy not to think about the fact that his nice-guy professor was really some stuck-up academic snob. Just another trust fund baby to add to the ever-growing list. Well, good on you, Sammy. You have the Fresh Prince of Stanford teaching you lit. Kudos. Dean, Sam said, a sharpness to his voice. What's your issue with everyone you meet lately? Just because they might have a few extra zeros in their bank accounts doesn't mean they're all bad. And we don't even know if my professor or Gabe are even part of that family legacy in that way. He's teaching literature and Gabe works in a freaking bakery. Not exactly following in the family footsteps. Sam had a good point and Dean knew it. But Novak discussion aside, this was an old argument between them. Dean would never feel totally at ease at this school or in this town. He had moved to California for Sam and had no regrets about that. But he struggled to fit in with the people as well as Sammy did. His insecurities sometimes got the better of him. It's good that you always want to see the best in people. Dean put on his deepest, most attentive voice. I mean it. But if it's all the same to you, I'll pass on a date with Richie Rich. Sam sighed in disappointment, leaning against the leather seat and looking out the window. Wishing gave me a number Wish I could call you today Just to hear a voice I got a long way to go Getting further away If I didn't know the difference Living alone probably be okay It wouldn't be lonely I got a long way to go I'm getting further away Two days later, Dean entered Building 50 feeling stiff and tired. He had gotten sunburnt on the beach, that was for fucking sure. 
He took his now usual seat right beside Cass, wincing as the collar of his shirt rubbed against his skin. The amount of worry creased on Cass's forehead when he spotted his discomfort was way more adorable than it had any right to be. And when Dean tried to shrug off the other man's worry, he ended up agitating his burnt skin all over again. Fuck. Castiel frowned sympathetically and mouthed a word, which took Dean several glances to fully comprehend. Aloe vera? Dean shook his head sheepishly. He wasn't the type to actually treat his ailments, figuring if it couldn't be fixed with duct tape and stitches, then it must not be all that bad. Castiel openly admonished him for this, though, shaking his head side to side in disapproval. Dean chuckled, practically feeling a tisk-tisk coming on, and threw his hands up in surrender. He mouthed, fine, okay, and that seemed to pacify Cass, the alpha flashing him a wide and gummy smile. Dean really wanted to find a way to make Cass keep giving him that smile. A new idea occurred to him then, another way to learn about each other. He challenged Castiel to a game of thumb wrestling, which he figured was just childish enough to be cute and charming. The Alpha threw himself into the notion completely, even showing a flash of competitive spirit when he bested Dean in their final round. Emboldened and having a suspicious amount of fun, they moved on to a game of slaps, positioning their hands above each other, with the bottom hands attempting to catch the other off guard in a stinging smack. It turned out Castiel was better at that game, too, though Dean internally blamed his irregularly long fingers. He couldn't deny that the Alpha had amazing reflexes, especially for someone who apparently spent most of his time curled up with a book. By the end of it, they were both laughing at the absurd silliness of it all, the tops of their hands stinging. Dean was pleased to find Cass's laugh had an unbelievably deep timber to it. Not for the first time, he wondered what his mystery alpha actually sounded like. In one short month, he might finally know. A lot of hours to occupy, it was easy when I didn't know you yet. Things I'd have to forget. A few days later, around lunchtime, he was surprised to see Charlie's office phone number pop up on a cell phone. With a raised finger, Dean walked away from the picnic table where he and his co-worker, Benny, were sharing their brown paper-bagged lunches. He was curious and a little suspicious about receiving a phone call from Charlie. So far, all of their correspondence had been in person or via email. He was still sending her weekly notes on his sessions with Cass, and it was becoming increasingly harder to keep his feelings at bay. He knew Charlie was open to whatever thoughts he wanted to share, but he doubted his new beta friend would want to know all about the spank-bake material he had amassed lately that featured one tall, blue-eyed alpha. Hello? Dean answered the phone tentatively, as if Charlie might have the wrong number. Well, look at that. It's my favorite Omega. Charlie's voice was bright and chipper as always, and Dean felt himself grinning on instinct. I'd say you're my favorite beta, but that's like most of the people I know, he replied cheekily. Hmm. Do I at least rank in your top 20? Dean wandered around the outside of the building and grounds building, scraping his boot against the brick siding. 
Oh, top ten, easy. That's what I'm talking about. Charlie celebrated and Dean snorted, flooded with earnest affection for this oddball geek of a girl he had met through pure happenstance. As much as I'm loving the social call, Char, I'm assuming you're calling for a reason? He asked, checking his watch. Only ten minutes left of his lunch break and he still had half of a sandwich to inhale. Yes, right, okay. She cleared her throat, as if the next bit had been rehearsed. I wanted to call you and Castiel and let you both know a couple days in advance. For the remainder of the sessions, we'll be nixing the scent blockers, so don't apply them anymore. Dean grinned widely. Awesome. I thought you might think so, she responded happily. On to the next, more awkward part of this talk. She took a deep breath, Dean echoing with an inhalation of his own. From all the studies I've read, alpha and omega scenting can be super intense. I get that. But remember what you're doing this for, to see what you can learn about each other from nonverbal communication. Well, there are certain things you can learn from, um, physical intimacy. I'm not sure a social science study is the time or place... Wait, Dean interrupted. Are you seriously giving me the keep-your-hands-to-yourself speech? Can you blame me? Charlie retorted, apparently having her defense ready and waiting. I've read both of your reports, Dean. You and Castiel have grown close. Dean sighed, taking a beat to reevaluate. This was a lot of information to process. Later this week, he would be able to scent Cass. Glory, glory, hallelujah. But Charlie and her intrusive camera were being the biggest cockblocks of all time. If Cass smelled as good as Dean anticipated he would, staying mindful of his obligations to the study would be nearly impossible. But hang on, what had Charlie said about reading both of their reports? What's Cass been writing about me? He asked boldly, wondering if he took a sudden approach if Charlie would slip up and spill all her secrets. No such luck. You know I can't tell you that, she said patiently. But hey, when did you give him a nickname? That's fascinating. I need to add that to my notes. The phone call found its natural end a few minutes later, and Dean was totally distracted for the rest of his shift, almost unearthing two perfectly good shrubs in his days. He was already crushing on Cass' hard fucking core just as a person, a person he had developed a rapport with, despite the obvious obstacles. But during their next session, he would meet Castiel the Alpha, he had an inkling that he would like what he saw. Or, you know, scented. But I better be quiet now. Tired, wasting my breath. Carrying on, getting upset. Dean had gotten so used to Fridays being scent blocker day that in the morning he nearly sprayed them on instinct. He caught himself just in time, scrutinizing his uniform in the mirror. When he had first accepted the job, he hadn't minded the dark navy work trousers or collared shirt, figuring, who did he have on campus to impress? And even though Cass had seen him wear the exact same outfit every Friday and didn't seem to think it was strange, something about the magnitude of this day made Dean want to go the extra mile. He decided then to pack a change of clothes and hit the gym showers after work. He threw in a bar of soap that he knew emphasized his natural omega scent, 
figuring if he was going to primp and preen like a girl, he might as well go all the way. At two minutes till five, he entered Building 50 wearing dark jeans and a form-fitting V-neck. It was his go-to date-night outfit, and he felt zero embarrassment admitting that, to himself at least. Castiel was the most gorgeous man he had ever met, so, yeah, going the extra mile could only help, not hurt his chances. Even though he was technically supposed to be lessening the potential sexual tension, not purposefully increasing it. Well, you know what, Charlie may be preventing him from sealing the deal, but that didn't mean he couldn't dangle the carrot a bit. But the minute he grasped the doorknob to the room that had become their room, he was hit with an intense case of nerves. What if this went disastrously wrong? What if Cass smelled like an old muddy shoe or something bitterly gross like kale? Would he be able to overlook it and still ask him on a date once the case study was over? Or even more horrifically, what if Cass hated Dean's scent? The sharp sting of Dean, which had the low simmering heat of a chili pepper, a sharp and acidic warmth, according to previous dates, was certainly an acquired taste. Or a uh, smell, whatever. Still, Dean couldn't second-guess himself any longer. He turned the knob quickly before he could chicken out, shutting the door behind him. Castile was sitting on his usual side of the table, dressed in his usual get-up, suit jacket, slacks, trench coat. But that was where the familiarity ended, because there was a very unfamiliar scent in the air, an irresistible one. Sweet, impossibly sweet. Dean felt like his tongue was coated in sugar. It made him feel lightheaded, the intensity of it, like every molecule of air was dipped in the syrupy sweetness that was Cass. Castiel was on his feet immediately, taking long and determined strides towards him. Dean thought at some point that the Alpha would halt and stop in front of him, but no. Suddenly his body was colliding with Dean's, pushing him against the closed door. Castiel was pinning him, one hand high and raised on the door, the other hovering near Dean's waist. Brazenly unapologetic, feeling crazed and half-drunk, Dean pulled Castiel down by his tie and brought the man's neck to his nose. He sniffed more fiercely than he could ever remember sniffing and was rewarded with bursts of fresh strawberries wafting in, overtaking his senses. Cass was sweetened like confectioner's sugar, but natural as fruit straight off the vine, and even in his haze, Dean could recognize how good they smelled together. Where Dean was red-hot, Castiel was sugar-sweet, and they balanced each other, tangled around one another in a delicious and mouth-watering bouquet. It took Dean several moments to realize they were holding each other, Dean's face buried in the crook of Cass's neck. His arms were wrapped around the Alpha's shoulders, surprisingly lean and tight, and Dean was struck by the knowledge that there was quite a lot left to be revealed underneath all those layers. Castiel was panting right into Dean's ear, his domineering hand coming down to hold Dean's hips against his own. Dean's heart raced as the Alpha's lips ghosted across his neck, hovering suggestively, leaving a dozen near kisses against Dean's skin. It was irrational, impossible, but it was somehow enough insinuation and implication for Dean to grow hard in his jeans. He rubbed his front zipper against Cass's left thigh, and both men shifted deeper into the contact. There was an undeniable trace of alpha arousal lacing the air, and Castiel pushed against Dean harder, 
aligning their hips together until Cass's own erection was an impressive and hard bulge dragging across Dean's front. They moaned in abandon, and Dean tightened his grip, hardly believing how on-fucking-bored he was with rubbing one out in his jeans right now. Castiel was propelling himself against Dean with such fucking intensity that Dean swore to God he heard the alpha growl. He was about two seconds from dropping his load in the most undignified orgasm known to man whenever a knock on the other side of the door jolted them both. They froze, effectively pausing their eager dry-humping situation. Dean looked up at Cass guiltily, as if realizing they'd initiated the exact activity that Charlie had requested they not do. He looked down at the digital clock on the table and gasped. It was right at six o'clock. What the fuck? Not only had they lost track of time, but they had continued their session for twice the normal time limit. They'd never done that before, gotten so lost in the moment that they... There was another knock, this one sharp and more insistent. Castiel looked like it might physically pain him to separate from Dean, but he did so with a concentrated frown. Dean instantly missed the presence, the heat of the Alpha's body against his, and pulled on his wrist. He wanted more than anything to leave a small, reassuring kiss there, but that might eliminate a boundary they hadn't technically crossed yet. More importantly, Dean worried that once he started, he might not be able to stop. So he just squeezed Cass's wrist instead, maintaining eye contact and hoping his expression revealed how really, truly fucking sorry he was to leave this unfulfilled. And then he opened the door, closed it briskly behind him, and nearly ran right into Charlie. The grad student pulled him down the hallway, out of Cass's hearing range if Dean had to guess, and opened her mouth. But Dean was not in the mood to analyze whatever the fuck amazing intense thing had just happened between them, and so he grumbled, Can't talk about it right now. And Charlie, blessed genius that she was, snapped her jaw shut and let him pass. Maybe I have a problem But that's not what I wanted to say I prefer to say nothing I got a long way to go I'm getting further away Three hours later, Dean's heart rate still hadn't returned to normal. He was at the roadhouse sitting in a booth across from Sam, barely chewing and swallowing the burger he had ordered. He was behaving so unusually that Ellen had stopped by to make sure his patty had been cooked correctly. He had just nodded numbly and ordered another whiskey, hoping to resolve his sour mood with the only medication that never failed him, drinking copious amounts of alcohol. You should have told me it was scent day, Sam grumbled, spearing his salad forcefully. I wouldn't have suggested we go to dinner. It's okay, Dean mumbled. I could use a distraction. Dean didn't know what magical combination of words he had offered his brother, but Sam seemed to cheer up considerably. Yeah? Well, Sam took a sip of lemon water and grinned. Good, because I have a surprise for you. Before the dread could properly settle in Dean's stomach... The side door was opening, and Gabriel Novak, of all people, was strolling inside. What the? Okay, before you freak out and leave, just let me explain, Sam said in a rush. I stopped in the bakery yesterday, and Gabe and I got to talking. Turns out, according to this girl Meg, Gabe's brother is totally sprung on this unattainable guy. 
It sounded so much like your situation that I... I don't know. We thought that if we had arranged a blind date and you two hit it off... And you two hit it off... Dean was already standing, shoulders shaking from anger before Sam could finish his sentence. The thought of being around another man, another alpha, was making Dean feel sick. I told you I didn't want this, Dean hissed, unable to keep the irritability from accentuating every word. What the fuck, Sammy? Dean, I... A hand clasped Dean's shoulder and he nearly jumped, startled. His head whipped around, eyes blazing and ready to snap at whatever handsy alpha was daring to mess with him tonight. But when he looked down, it was just Gabriel, who had an abnormal, apologetic frown on his face. Well, I got the hermit out of his cage. That was a win. But the moment I said the word blind date, he nearly sucker-punched me. Gabriel sighed. He pointed out the glass door frame to a man sitting on the bench, his back to the door. He refuses to come inside. Good, Dean snapped, taking a final sip of whiskey. Didn't want to meet him anyways. He knew he was being rude to Gabe, but fuck it. He had told them both no, and they had both proceeded as if they knew better than Dean when it came to his own goddamn love life. He was fuming angry and fought the urge to leave, but he knew he couldn't leave Sammy stranded without a ride home. Gonna get some air, he muttered to his brother, crossing his arms and heading for the exit. He didn't love the idea of passing Gabe's rich, fratty, and apparently not-on-the-market brother on his way out. But there was only one entrance and exit, and the guy didn't know what Dean looked like anyways. He could avoid him easily enough. He opened the door and was hit with a slight chilliness, wishing belatedly that he hadn't left his jacket folded in the booth. He walked to the edge of the concrete sidewalk, pointedly not looking at the man on the bench. He took a deep and steady in breath, hoping to calm himself down, but... Strawberries. There was the sweet, undeniable scent of strawberries. Dean turned abruptly, and there he was, sitting in his wrinkled trench coat and staring at Dean with wide, frantic eyes. Castiel. Castiel Novak. Gabriel's brother... Sam's professor, Dean's, Dean's world. It came screeching to a halt. Cass stood up automatically, as if they were two magnets inexplicably drawn, and in one fluid motion, Dean closed the distance between them, cupped his hands around Castiel's jaw, and kissed him. The kiss was frantic and rushed, and Cass was startled by it, breathless against Dean's mouth. He pulled away slightly and Dean had a momentary panic, wondering if he had just made the biggest mistake of his life, but then Castiel leaned forward and kissed him properly, reaching around Dean to grasp his back, his hips, and their lips slotted together, gliding between the other as easy as machinery. The addictive savor of sweetness was heavy on his tongue, bursting behind Dean's eyelids with an overwhelming intensity. It reminded him of the candied strawberries Ellen would sometimes pair with shortcake, freshly cut berries, perfectly in season, sprinkled with copious amounts of sugar and left for hours, until finally an enticing syrup was drizzled by the spoonful over pound cake. That was how Castiel tasted, and Dean couldn't get enough. 
He slipped his tongue into the warm, hot heat of Castiel's mouth, and they both moaned at the sensation, the awe-inducing feel of it. Cass sucked mercilessly before massaging the tongue with his own, and they kissed and kissed and kissed. If Dean had felt giddy, dizzy, crazed just from scenting Castiel earlier, actually kissing him made him feel absolutely positively done for. When it came to Castiel, he would never, ever tire of this. Castiel pulled away for air but kept their foreheads touching, his hands wandering the curve of Dean's lower back. And then he spoke just one word, the first and only word Dean had ever heard him say. Mate. He whispered, and his voice was just as cavernously deep and beguiling as Dean had imagined. He trembled, not only at the sound of it, but at the significance behind the word. Mate. Dean repeated, his voice rough and shaking with emotion. Before he could lunge forward for another kiss, he heard someone clear their throat. Or throats. Or... Wait, were there multiple someones? Who was watching them? He forced his eyes to leave Cass's gaze, and there they were, both of their brothers. Sam looked gawky and awkward at the scene unfolding before him, so much so that it nearly made Dean chuckle. Dean was making out, rather obscenely, with Sammy's lip professor, so he supposed the discomfort was warranted. On the opposite end of the spectrum, though, Gabriel looked terrifyingly filled with glee. Don't tell me, he said, pointing between the two of them. You're the mystery Omega? The one from the case study? Wait, Sam said before Dean could answer. Then that means... His eyes were wide with realization. We've got to go, Dean, before you ruin the study even more. Dean shook his head vehemently. Screw the stupid study. He was pretty fucking sure that he had just discovered that Cass was his capital M mate, and if that didn't justify breaching the contract, he didn't know what did. But Castiel's hands slipped around his face, locking his gaze, and he nodded solemnly. Dean knew then that they wouldn't, they couldn't, leave Charlie hanging. They would come clean about what had transpired here tonight, and if she was still interested in having them finish out their final four weeks, then they would do it. Or maybe Castiel could find the strength to do it. Dean was pretty damn sure that continuing with this ridiculous experiment after everything he had just learned might physically kill him. But there was more to think about. More complications for why Dean should accept the space Castiel was offering. Because Castiel was a Novak, a flushed with cash, spearhead of fraternity, likely the future president of a multi-million dollar business, Novak. And there was absolutely no way that Dean was good enough to date him, let alone mate him. He stepped away from Castiel, despite every instinct in his body screaming at him to stay, to touch, to hold. He headed in the direction of the Impala without a second glance, Sam trailing wordlessly behind him. Chapter 4. 
August. Charlie crossed her arms, tilting her head thoughtfully. So, just to summarize, she said, taking a long sip from her coffee mug. You and Dean interacted outside of the study, though totally by accident. You kissed outside a bar, and now... Sitting at a wooden desk in the corner of her office, Castiel cleared his throat and politely repeated himself. Now we're... I'm not sure. Possibly mates. Or... I think we are, at least. He looked down at his hands, fighting the urge to blush. We haven't exactly had the opportunity to discuss it, obviously. It was Monday morning, and they were sitting in Charlie's cramped office space. It had been a long weekend, torturous even, waiting for the appropriate office hours to arrive in order for him to come clean to Charlie. He was eager to know if they would be allowed to continue on with the study, and the various possibilities of how this all might end was making him tense with anxiety. Castiel was unfailingly conflicted about the whole thing. On one hand, he very much wanted to do the responsible thing, complete his obligation to Charlie, finish out the next four weeks, and receive his stipend so he could buy books for the next semester. But a stronger and much more insistent part of Castiel secretly hoped Charlie would dismiss them from the study altogether, allowing him and Dean to finally speak, to hold and touch in private, to kiss, and maybe even... Friday had been much more than he could have ever hoped for, scenting Dean, than kissing him without any blockers to inhibit them. The outfit Dean had been wearing, tight jeans, a dark v-neck shirt, made it clear that the Omega's daily work uniform had left a lot to the imagination. But above all, there was the fiery zest of Dean's scent, like a bright and muted jalapeno zinging on his taste buds. Castiel had always had a particular liking for spicy aromas. Perhaps this was why. Perhaps every part of his biology had been readying him for his future, his Omega. Dean. Dean Winchester, he now knew, thanks to the enrollment of his brother in Castiel's American Lit class. Will. Castiel clasped his hands tightly. Will we be allowed to continue the study? The urge to reach out to Dean over the weekend, to look him up online and go to his house and claim his Omega had been unhinging Castiel slowly over the past two days. Charlie chewed pointedly on her pen cap for a moment. While she deliberated, Castiel allowed his eyes to wander around the tiny office. It was messy with books and notepads, not to mention Charlie's 17-inch laptop displayed on her desk. There were Star Wars pop figures on a shelf and a moon door poster hung on a nearby door. Castiel very much enjoyed Charlie's company, finding her spunky and engaging. He imagined himself introducing his new, geeky, well-intentioned friend to the other important people in his life, like Meg and Gabriel. The visual made him almost chuckle. His brother and best friend could be a tough crowd to please, but something told him Charlie could win just about anyone over. I think so, Charlie said carefully. Unfortunately for me, if you two are mates, this could disrupt some of the results. True mates would learn things about each other automatically, you know. But unmated pairs would probably have more difficulty garnering meaning in the nonverbal communicative space. She mulled the variance over in her head, then shrugged. Either way, it'll make for an interesting thesis defense, which is really all that matters. So, yeah, let's continue. Castiel tried to look relieved at the update, 
but there was a sudden and sharp ache in his heart at the thought of four more weeks. Four more weeks without speaking to Dean. Four more weeks of honest, unbearable agony. A good amount of pain was painted transparently on his face, Castiel knew, but he couldn't find the resolve to properly mask it. Charlie sighed, reaching into her bottom drawer. She brought back a fifth of whiskey, a cheap brand Castiel was used to seeing at his fraternity parties. She turned sideways, retrieving two chipped mugs hanging on a hook. Castiel watched her with piqued interest as she poured herself a shot's worth, then positioned the bottle over the other mug, looking at Castiel expectantly. He shook his head. I have to teach later, he reasoned, though he was incredibly tempted by the offer. Very few alphas found their true mate, and then were forced to more or less stay away from them for a month. The phrase, look but don't touch, came suddenly to his mind. Castiel frowned, not sure if he would have the strength. Same here, she said breezily, but I intend for today's class discussion to be especially entertaining. So, what do you say? Join me? Castiel smiled then, a companionable sort of gesture, and finally nodded toward his cup. She poured him a double shot and they clinked their mugs together, swallowing the whiskey down. It burned in Castiel's stomach and he leaned into his creaky wooden chair, resisting the urge to close his eyes and sleep away the next four weeks. You doing okay? Charlie's voice was laced now with noticeable concern. Castiel only nodded stiffly, not trusting himself to say more. I know it'll be hard, but I need you and Dean to keep the rules of the study in mind. No talking, no outside contact. Can you do that? I'll try, he muttered, embarrassed to realize that his voice was shaking. I just never thought. I mean, finding Dean and then not being able to be with him. Charlie nodded solemnly. It's your decision, okay? And Dean's. I would never purposefully cause you pain, even in the noble name of social science. But your project, your thesis defense. Castiel swallowed down a dry lump in his throat. If we quit now, it'll postpone everything for you, won't it? Maybe even your graduation? Maybe. She gave him a tight, rueful smile. But I'm a cultural anthropologist, Cass. I have to be empathetic towards the people I study. If not, I can't do my job. Castiel nodded in understanding, resolute and determined to continue with the project for Charlie's sake. Then he tilted his head, a question occurring to him. When did you start calling me Cass? Charlie bouncily crossed her legs and grinned at him. Oh, I don't know. Probably around the same time that Dean did. In spite of the circumstances, Castiel beamed at this scrap of information, imagining his nickname tumbling from Dean's lips in a baritone whisper that was already featured in many of his dreams. A voice filled with intimacy, with longing. Cass. Had a dream as an army man with an order Just to march in my place while dead enemy Screams in my face. But I better be quiet now. I'm tired of wasting my breath. Carrying on, not all the 
For the rest of the week, Friday loomed ahead like a ticking bomb Castiel couldn't neutralize. He was nervously excited to see Dean again, yet hopelessly frustrated about their situation. He usually had a safe haven from campus by grading and reading at the nearby bakery where Gabriel worked. But once his brother informed him that Dean and Sam were actually regulars too, his only choice was to gape at Gabe irritably and order his coffee to go. Everywhere he went, particularly on campus, he daydreamed about running into Dean. At even the smallest whiff of fragrant spices, his attention perked up considerably, searching wildly for his Omega. His Omega. His. Castiel had never considered himself a territorial man, not even when it came to romantic partners. But knowing Dean was in the same city as him, on the same campus, with an endless parade of strangers who could see him and scent him and touch him, while he remained officially unmated, it was enough to make Castiel perpetually on edge. He knew he was experiencing some withdrawals and worried that Dean's discomfort might be tenfold. On Friday, he had to force himself to arrive at Building 50 only 15 minutes early. After dropping his belongings into the chair carelessly, he stood around the table and paced. Ten minutes later, when the doorknob rustled, Castiel felt his heart rattle in his chest. The slow, peppery burn of Dean's scent filled his senses, and he took a large step forward, arms instinctively open, before his body became stony with tension. Dean was wearing his usual uniform, his pants and shirt stained with dirt and sweat, and on his face, on his face was a black eye. Castiel was practically running before the movement could properly catch up to him, before he could think rationally about approaching an Omega who had clearly and very recently been hurt. But his protective instincts took over and he ran a light thumb across the dark and purple bruise around Dean's bruised and swollen eye, unable to keep the flood of truly livid alpha pheromones from filling the air between them. To Castiel's absolute dread, his examination of Dean's newfound injuries didn't last long. The Omega pulled away from Castiel's touch and his scent was burnt, scorched, fuming. He walked past the Alpha without a glance and apology or explanation and slumped, wincing in his chair. He didn't move to Castiel's side of the table, as he had been doing for weeks now. He simply stared expressionless down at the table, crossing his arms, as the unmistakable scent of misery pervaded the shared space between them. It was, without a doubt, the worst thirty minutes of Castiel's life. Wish I knew what you need to know Why you wanna do it this way So I can't go the distance I got a long way to go Getting further away I got a long way The gritty texture of chalk coated Castiel's fingers and he clapped his hands together, turning from the chalkboard and looking down at his students. Your group project presentation will be due in two weeks' time, just before your final portfolios, he announced. Any questions? He scanned the room, noticing that Jessica and Sam were getting along quite well thanks to his small involvement in pairing them together. Despite his happiness for the fledgling freshman romance, 
Castiel had been avoiding Sam's eye contact quite emphatically for the entire class period. It had been exactly five days since his truly god-awful session with Dean, and the last thing he needed was to make the situation any more complicated by complaining to Sam. No questions? Well, then, go enjoy your Wednesday afternoon doing whatever it is 18-year-olds are doing at the moment. He smiled at them, hoping it seemed warm and reassuring, but knowing it severely missed the mark. For the past few days, he had felt despondent and isolated, barely sleeping or eating, floating through his classes with little to no effort. His students deserved better, Castiel knew, but it was as if his spirit had forsaken his body. Temporarily, he hoped. The tense uncertainty surrounding him and Dean had the alpha feeling an array of emotions he hoped to never experience again. Dean, possibly the stubbornest man to ever exist, had never explained where the black eye had come from. Not that Castiel expected a full conversation to occur, considering the parameters of the case study. But he still longed for some assurance that Dean was all right, that he wasn't still in danger, that he shared Castiel's feelings and desire for closeness. Two Fridays ago outside the roadhouse, Castiel had been sure of Dean's feelings, had felt the deep and desperate adoration of his kiss. The only word they had spoken out loud was mate, and for Castiel, it had been a revelation, an enlightened confession. He had assumed Dean echoing the word had been his confirmation, his agreement of their newfound status. But now it seemed the exact opposite could, in fact, be true. Perhaps Dean had been processing the information and rejecting it, rejecting Castiel. He stood at his podium now, staring blankly at the papers shuffled in front of him. He watched the classroom empty out, and with trepidation realized the only remaining student was Sam Winchester. He was hanging hesitantly near Castiel's desk, backpack posed high on his shoulder. Sam, he said formally, gathering his papers and heading towards the door. Do you have questions about the group project? Not yet, Professor. It's going great so far. Jess is great, and the Great Gatsby is great, so I'm, uh... Great, Castiel offered weakly, forcing a thin smile on his face. I'm glad to hear it. You're doing very well in class. Awesome, thanks, but... Sam chewed his lip as if considering something, then seemed to decide to plow forward. Dean isn't. Doing great, I mean. Castiel stiffened at the mention of Sam's brother, trying not to show his eagerness at hearing more about the mysterious, enigmatic man that was Dean Winchester. I'm sorry to hear that, he said gently, hoping his tone would encourage Sam to continue. He wondered, rather dubiously, if they had just discovered a loophole in Charlie's rules. He couldn't speak to Dean, that much was clear. But could he speak about Dean to Sam? And, no offense, Professor Novak, but you don't seem so great yourself. Sam slid his hands into his pockets cautiously, as if Castiel might turn him away at any moment. Rather than refute the statement, Castiel figured honesty was his best option. He came to last Friday's session with a black eye, Castiel said by way of explanation. He was very distant, angry. Sam nodded sympathetically, and Castiel wondered if he had been experiencing the same standoffish treatment. He's been drinking a lot more at the roadhouse since you two, you know. 
Sam's expression was awkwardly pained, and so Castiel nodded, not requiring any further clarification. The other night, some alpha knotheads were making a pass at him, stuff he usually just shrugs off. But he's been upset lately. And anyways, he ended up breaking two noses. Despite his obvious concern, Sam seemed almost impressed with Dean's physical prowess. They just bruised him up a bit, that's all. But I'm worried for him. I'm worried too, Castiel echoed, figuring it wouldn't do either of them any good to beat around the bush. But he's pushing me away, and I don't understand why. Sam shifted uncomfortably between his feet, hiking his backpack up higher on his hip. I know this whole thing is really intense for him, but... He looked down at his shoes and sighed, looking back up to meet Castiel's eyes. Honestly, I think it has to do with your last name. Your family. Castiel shut the folder in front of him, eyes widening in surprise. My family. You and Gabriel are Novaks, right? Like, the Novaks? Sam's voice was keen and hopeful, as if Castiel could clear up the whole misunderstanding by answering, Me, an incredibly wealthy, pretentious Novak? Impossible. I'm afraid so. He answered instead, and he meant every word of it. He hated his legacy. The deep pockets of his family money and their influence on Stanford. Gabe and I are estranged from them. We came to Stanford because it was the school we wanted to go to, not to uphold some ostentatious family legacy. I don't accept anything from my family, and that includes money. He inhaled steadily, not meaning to speak so freely with one of his students, but knowing this rare predicament called for total transparency. What exactly does Dean have against my family? It's not just your family, it's more like... Everyone. Sam sighed and leaned back against the nearest individual desk, his backpack dropping with a thud. We moved here last year from a little town called Lawrence, Kansas. The kind of place where everyone was working class, you know. And Dean knew everybody since birth. He didn't even graduate, not officially. He earned his GED and then started working full-time to start my college fund. Sam's voice was strained, heavy with emotion. He's never thought much of himself, to be honest. So he feels really uncomfortable around the upper class, really defensive. We've fought for everything we have, so whenever he's around people who get things handed to them... Sam's voice drifted off quietly, and Castiel closed his lips in a tight pucker. As soon as the words had left Sam's mouth, Castiel knew it had been the clear and honest truth. He thought about how he must look from the outside. A rich academic, a privileged frat guy. Was that really what Dean thought of him? So now that he thinks he knows me, Castiel said flatly, he hates me. What? No! Sam's voice was coming out in a rush, his movements large and flailing. I don't think he can hate you, and that's what's tearing him up. Sam glanced at him earnestly, pleadingly. And he doesn't actually know you, not the real you. If he did, he would see that you're nothing like your family. Castiel hummed to himself and regarded Sam openly, not knowing what else was left to say. How could he convince Dean that he wasn't just another rich, vacuous Stanford snob, especially without the use of words? Thank you, Sam he said, measuring his words carefully. 
You've given me a lot to think about. A lot to worry about, he amended regretfully. Wishing gave me a number. Wish I could call you today. Just to hear a voice. I got a long way to go. We're getting further away. If I didn't know the difference, living alone probably be okay. It wouldn't be lonely. I got a long way to go. Getting further away. On Friday, Castiel was jittery, charged like an exposed live wire. He tried to credit his edginess on the knowledge that today he would see Dean. Today he would try, and possibly fail, to convey how non-well-to-do he actually was, despite his family name. But all of this hinged on Dean's willingness to be open to try and understand, and Castiel hoped desperately to find the Omega in a better mood than last week. All day long he had felt clammy and snappish, disinterested in food, his skin raw and sensitive to the touch. He had half a mind to cancel on Charlie and take a sick day, and the way Dean had acted last week had tempted him to postpone their weekly meetings anyways. But the thought of leaving things unsettled between them for another week was enough to make Castiel power through all his classes, though he looked unwell enough for many of his students, including Sam, observant as he was, to notice. By the time he arrived in Building 50 and entered their room, he was nearly five minutes late, which never happened. Whatever unyielding, defensive mask Dean had been wearing slowly slipped off when the Alpha entered. At Castiel's disheveled appearance, Dean looked at Castiel with worry in his eyes. Castiel dismissed it with a wave and took his usual seat, wishing Dean would sit next to him again like he used to, but he knew better than to ask. Dean was the type of Omega, the type of man, to give only what he wanted to give. The Alpha would never try and push his boundaries, at least not without permission. Castiel's forehead was steadily gleaning sweat, his hands shaking as he retrieved his bag and emptied it on the table. He was about to stretch the parameters of Charlie's experiment, he knew, but there had never been explicit instructions forbidding what he was about to do. Besides, he imagined Dean was the ask-forgiveness-not-permission type, and in this instance, Castiel was willing to do the same. Dean was looking particularly handsome today, though Castiel couldn't figure out why. He checked him out without a shred of embarrassment, and noted the same high cheekbones and tan skin, same pink and pursed lips, same sloping neck that begged for Castiel's lips and tongue and teeth. Castiel shook his head firmly, trying to stop that train of thought. Where in the world did that come from? Incredulously, he was getting hard just from looking at Dean, and it was perhaps the most reprehensible moment of his adult life. He cleared his throat and inhaled deeply, trying to catch more fresh air than Dean's scent, then slid the first exhibit of his redemption attempt towards Dean on the table. A dictionary. A rather old one. It was leather-bound and navy blue, thick with crinkled pages, and Dean eyed it suspiciously, 
as if it might leap up and bite him. Castillo rolled his eyes and stretched his hands across the table, opening the front flap and revealing the inscription. In black, cursive marker, it read, Castiel Novak, highest grade point average in third grade English in composition. Down below, an eight-year-old Castiel had drawn a picture of himself at his desk, glasses thick and wide, holding a book and smiling. It was just a silly stick figure rendition, but Dean seemed to marvel at it, giving Castiel an outrageous thumbs up. Castiel wiped the back of his neck nervously and returned the gesture with a small smile. So far, so good. Next, he showed Dean his high school yearbook page, where he had worn a dark gray tux and quoted the poet Keats as his senior quote. Bordering the same page, there was a sampling of questions that the yearbook staff had asked the senior class, and that was where Castiel was printed as saying, I'm going to be a literature professor, no matter what. Dean raised his eyes at the phrasing, and for good reason. That hadn't earned him any brownie points at home, though Dean didn't know that yet, while Castiel just nodded in understanding. Afterward, he pulled out the big guns, a local newspaper article from last year where the headline read, Michael and Lucifer Novak, joint heirs of Novak Industries, written in bold black letters. Dean took his time absorbing that bit of news, reading the article thoroughly before looking at Castiel with emotion gleaming in his eyes. Respect? Understanding? And finally, appeared an old piggy bank that Castiel had dug up from the fraternity attic. It was worn, paint chipping, and Castiel had put one single penny into the slot for dramatic effect. Dean eyed it with amusement, and Castiel prodded him with a gentle head tilt to pick it up. Bemused, Dean did so, the single coin reverberating off the porcelain container with a loud chorus of rings. I'm completely broke, Castiel mouthed without a sound. Dean chuckled then, a deep and honest laugh, and replied, Me too. Some of the tension Castiel had been holding on his shoulders for over a week finally dissipated. Dimly, Castiel wondered if their miscommunication would have been solved more easily with words. But something told him that wouldn't be the case. Being with Dean might always be wrought with ups and downs. But Castiel somehow knew that every difficulty would be worth it as long as they were together. Dean stretched his hands forward on the table and found Castiel's, entwining their fingers together as if the action was totally natural. The Alpha nearly sighed at the contact, feeling relieved to have things settled between them. Yet, he felt strangely twitchy the moment their hands collided. He frowned, realizing the blood in his veins was racing, his heart pounding in his ears. He felt out of control, like he might burst through his own body. Dean's face went slack with apprehension, and he reached a hand towards Castiel's chin, waiting for the Alpha's blue eyes to focus on his face before relaying, in their same soundless way, I'm sorry. But Castiel pulled away. He didn't have any other choice. Dean didn't get it, didn't understand. Castiel wasn't angry with him, not even for how he acted last week. If anything, it was the opposite. Castiel was angry with himself. Angry because... He had just began his rut. He checked the clock on the table, palms and neck perspiring, 
feeling completely out of sorts. He hadn't experienced an unscheduled rut since puberty. He knew the progression of his ruts like clockwork, and he wasn't due another one for months. Only life-altering circumstances could alter his body's cycle like this. Circumstances like... He licked his lips and looked at Dean. Every cell in his being was begging him to dive across the table, to capture Dean with his lips and hips and teeth, to take him apart inch by inch and knot him until they both writhed and screamed and came. Instead, he ran towards the door, swinging it open so urgently he wondered if he ripped it off the hinges. In his haze, he left all his belongings behind, but he would come back for them eventually, deciding that he would wait for Dean to go a far and safe distance before retrieving them. He ran one hallway over and into the men's room, taking residency in the handicapped stall, and everyone else was rightfully at home already, which was the only reason Castiel felt somewhat comfortable to tear his trench coat and suit jacket off his shaking shoulders, loosen his tie until it was slack and swinging from his neck, unbutton his slacks, and blissfully take his hardened, leaking cock in hand. He was only able to give himself a few desperate strokes before the sound of the bathroom door opening jostled him, and then... The scent of Dean. The scent of Dean nearby. In the room, in fact. It filled up the air between them and made Castiel ravenous. He growled and tensed, knowing his control was tenuous at best around most unmated omegas during his ruts. But around Dean? Dean he would be completely unpredictable. He heard footsteps heading towards his stall, and he panicked, knowing if he saw Dean, if he had his body within touching distance, it would be nearly impossible to resist his more desperate urges. Urges which were practically shrieking, Take your Omega, take him, take him, take him! He hastily locked the door, sliding the metal latch sideways with a slam. The sound seemed to surprise Dean for a minute, because the footsteps stopped and Castiel breathed deeply, hoping that alone had deterred him. He tried not to fondle his aching cock, but it was immensely difficult with Dean's obvious presence in the room, the piquant waft of pepper scorching the Alpha's taste buds and inciting him to burn, 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 to come, come, come. He gave in, taking himself in hand again and leaning against the wall, barely standing, the persistent pounding of his agile hand filling up the room with sound. And then there were footsteps again, louder and more determined, and a raucous slam, a forceful whisk of air, the thud of a kick, the slipping of a lock, a newly broken door. Castiel jumped full of adrenaline as the ineffective door swung open, insistently ajar. And there was Dean. With absolute shock and desire and longing, Castiel muttered Dean's name, more like a whine that would be indecipherable to most. And then Dean's body was pressed against his. They collided against the tiled bathroom wall, and all Castiel could think was burning. His skin was burning, kindled, ignited. It was as if a forest fire had been released upon them, and now Castiel couldn't be stopped their lips crashing together, hands scrambling to touch any patch of uncovered skin. Dean kissed him as if he had been resisting for far too long, moaning filthily between Castiel's parted lips. 
and then everything was tongue and teeth and there was no stopping this. The match had been lit. The fires of Castiel's yearning for Dean flaming white hot and humid. The wet smack of their lips resonated in the empty room, and it sounded so obscene that any form of nobility or nicety fell from Castiel's consciousness and he took himself roughly in hand. "'stroking himself in a wild fashion with one hand "'and unbuttoning the front of Dean's jeans with the other. "'The Omega whimpered and rutted against Castiel's fumbling hand "'with such enthusiasm that the Alpha dropped his own ministrations "'and focused on Dean solely, "'reaching a hand between the elastic waistbands of his boxers "'and running an eager hand along his shaft. "'Dean thrashed against him and Castiel could feel "'the steeped dampness of Dean's slick soaking into the cotton.' Instinctively, he reached around the back and wetted his hand, bringing his dripping fingers towards his mouth and sucking the digits between his lips. Castell took his fingers in as far as he could go, savoring the burst of spice, the heat warming his cheeks and making him flush. He maintained eye contact before pulling the fingers out with a suctioned pop. Dean was watching with widely hooded eyes transfixed on Castiel's mouth as if he had never seen anything more arousing in his entire life. Yes. His voice was husky and trembling, but something in the back of Castiel's mind told him this was wrong. He wasn't supposed to be hearing Dean's voice. Why was that again? A quick flutter of self-awareness flew into his brain and he nearly gasped. Charlie, the studies, the rules they were breaking. Cass... Castiel put his long pointer finger against Dean's lips, shushing him quite effectively. Green eyes practically seared into him, a gaze of undeniable lust and longing, and Castiel knew he wouldn't have the strength to pull away from Dean. Not now. Not with his pants down at his ankles and his cock hard and ready, the tingle of Dean's scent and slick coated on his tongue. But he had to do something— Convince himself they weren't breaking Charlie's rules too monumentally. His blue tie felt heavy on his constricted neck and a thought occurred to him. He loosened the knot, stripped it in one fluid motion from the collar and brought it to Dean's mouth. He went slowly enough for Dean to resist, to protest, but the Omega only seemed emboldened by the idea, moaning lewdly once the fabric was securely knotted against his parted lips. The restraint would prevent Dean from crying out, from speaking. But when the Omega wrapped a practiced hand around Castiel's erection and began a furious series of strokes, Castiel wished that he had a second tie to gag himself. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He panted and moved forward, sliding Dean's jeans and boxers down towards his knees, dousing his hands again with slick and bringing his fist tightly over the flushed curve of Dean's erection. The sound of Dean's muffled moans against the tie made Castiel feel entirely crazed with lust. And he nudged Dean's own hand away, wrapping them both around his long, slender fingers. The veins in his hand and exposed forearm were strained as he stroked them together, rubbing both heads in the sweet, lubricating slide of Dean's slick. Watching the skin of both shafts move in rhythm with his hand was intoxicating, vulgar, both dicks wet and shiny and glistening pink. The walls echoed with gasps and inhalations, and they shook at the joint sensation, Castiel suddenly sure he could come from this feeling alone. And then Dean, 
chest heaving and feet unsteady, took a small step backwards. He fidgeted with the loose knot of Castiel's tie, the article slipping off and cascading to the floor. His lips were red and dry and he licked them unconsciously, and another flame of ache and want incinerated the surface of Castiel's skin. Still he gazed at his Omega questioningly, wondering if he had disliked the improvised gag. Dean reached towards his pants pocket, and Castiel feared the worst. Knowing rejection from his Omega might send him into a deeply profound spiral. But then Dean was typing something furiously on his cell phone. He turned the screen towards Castiel, who had to blink repeatedly to read it correctly. His rut was affecting all his senses, it seemed. And in the meantime, Dean was quietly dropping to his knees. The screen was open to Dean's notes app, and the top of the page read, There are even better ways to keep me quiet, Cass. Before Castiel could fully understand, could prepare for the overwhelming implication of such a statement, there was a rounded set of lips puckering taut and tight over the head of his cock. He cried out and gripped Dean's hair and strained in desperate tugs, scrambling for any physical tether to hold him down. Dean tucked his chin forward around the curve of Castiel's cock and sucked him down deeper, sordidly and expertly, using one hand to pump the root of his shaft. The sounds were sloppy and slapdash and so totally explicit that Castiel already felt coils of warmth retracting in his balls. Dean made unabashed eye contact as his tongue spun around the slit, looking out the alpha with long and fluttering lashes before sucking him down again and again and again. It was as if he was making love to Castiel's cock, treating it with such eager fervency and reverence, and surprisingly... It was that thought that made Castiel tighten his grip in Dean's hair, eyes fixated on the Omega's musty, ruffled strands as he shouted, shook, and... Castiel's knot swelled up with such intensity that Dean choked and sputtered, spit dripping from the corners of his mouth, tears forming in the creases of his squinting eyes. He tried to dislodge the cock from gagging him, but in the process, Castiel's cum covered Dean's lips and chin. Once he recovered and breathed again... Dean parted his lips and swiped at the white hot stripes of cum adorning his face. He was like a gorgeously obscene portrait of love and lust and want, and Castiel watched the sight through his blurry vision. He thought once he came he would feel clear-headed again, better, stronger. But the room, the room was spinning, the tiles bright and white, the fluorescence glaring and hurting his eyes. He slumped against the wall with a weak thud, knees shaking, sliding off the floor. And that was the last thing Castiel remembered before his eyelids were leaden and closed, his body drooping and damp with sweat. And then all he saw was darkness. A lot of hours to occupy It was easy When I didn't know you yet Things I'd have to forget But I better be Thank you so much for your support. I can be contacted on Twitter, Tumblr, 
or at makingitupasweGoPod at gmail.com. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. As always, thank you so much for listening.